if somebody's driving on the wrong side of the road, what do people do? Do they right. wave or do they honk? <laughs> yeah, right, they right, honk. Right. And, and so if any of those people in those stories you shared in the sermon would have sidestepped the call to suffer with Jesus, perhaps those people in relationship to them may not have been faithful to Christ in the long run. They exactly. may have even been lost eternally. Welcome to Every Moment His, applying the gospel to all of life. We believe that the gospel makes a claim on every moment of our lives, not just an hour on Sunday morning. Join us as we wrestle with the application of our weekly sermon in the trenches of daily life. Welcome, everybody, to our first official podcast here. I'm excited. Uh, I'm excited, too. This is going to be a good time. Um, we, uh, we're doing this podcast so that we can have some conversations about our Sunday morning sermons outside of Sunday because, you know, sometimes, <laughs> I don't know about you, Pastor Tim, but sometimes I can forget the sermon before I get to the parking lot. Pretty much, yeah. yeah. And, even uh, when you're preaching, that's just Even when you're the preacher, yeah. you can and so uh, with that said, we just want to give everybody a way to think about the sermon, how it applies to Monday, Tuesday, every moment of life. Yeah, so. it really extends the sermon into our, our everyday moments. So that's going to be our jam each week. Um, Pastor Tim, we've been <laughs> talking about dad jokes today. Um, today's my son's birthday, and so um, I'm going to give him a good dad joke when I get home. Yeah, what, so, do, you, what uh, do you got? Well... Actually, my family knows this one pretty well, and so uh, I need a new one. So uh, <laughs> I'll give mine, and then you give me one. Mine right. is a knock-knock joke, actually. So knock-knock. Uh, Who's there? Who? Who, who? <laughs> You're an owl. <laughs> <laughs> Classic. And I, w- I want to just contest. I think dad jokes get better over time. It's like a fine wine. Yeah, yeah. 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 So the more you say it and the more your, your family sees it coming, the better. I kind of feel like maybe with dad <laughs> jokes, they are an infliction of suffering on your family. Just after a little a while. bit, yeah. yeah. Which is actually you what we're talking about today. You can always find new ways to, to say dad jokes, like when there's guests or something, and, and they have to listen to it again. All right, so I've got some dad joke prowess here. Why don't you yeah. go ahead and give me one? Okay, here's, here's one of my, my latest. What did the big bucket say to the little bucket? Can't wait to hear. You're my little pail. <laughs> <laughs> wow i might need a better one than that yeah, but, uh, we've got yeah. we've got limited time here so See, your reaction was perfect though it's just this kind <laughs> of like exhausted sigh i'm suffering a little <laughs> bit and actually that is uh what we're talking about not the suffering of dad jokes but rather uh, experiencing suffering in our lives as a christian in a very specific way and uh, so uh pastor tim if you could just give us a brief overview of your sermon this past Sunday. Yeah, so when we were looking at the sermon, we, we went over the, the, the good shepherd language in John chapter 10, where Jesus says he is the good shepherd and the sheep follow him, they follow his voice. Uh, but when we look at First Peter, there's something that I was surprised uh, to really find and think about that Peter really uses this passage to talk about um, how we are to follow Jesus through sufferings, that our lives as Christians 
as we're going to the promised land, we're going to the resurrected life, that life abundant that Jesus promises, that often we will be called to suffer um, and to bless when we're cursed, right? To turn uh, rage and anger, to turn to that with love and compassion and forgiveness. And sometimes that's going to, uh, it's going to cost something, it's going to hurt. And one of the things I was considering too is because the resurrection is true and because we will be resurrected with Jesus, that kind of means that God can ask anything of us in this, in mm-hmm. this life as we follow him. Yeah, I think it means we can, we can take some really big risks too That's uh, right. in our relationships. So I'm going to read a text here from First Peter that you pulled into the sermon. And by the way, if you're listening to this, uh, I'd encourage you just to read all of First Peter. It's actually the appointed readings uh, this year for Easter season and so much good stuff. Uh, but this is from First Peter, um, I believe, chapter 2. Yep. Chapter two. Uh, verse 19 and following, he says, For this is a gracious thing when mindful of God, one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. For what credit is it when you sin and are beaten for it, you endure? But if when you do good and suffer for it, you endure, this is a gracious thing in the sight of God. For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. So with this, how might the suffering going on here be different than maybe the suffering we commonly think of? Yeah, I think, um, yeah, we can think of suffering in general, like just unpleasantness or Right now, we're all kind of suffering through this isolation period where we're dealing with all of the struggles of the coronavirus. And that's really not what we're talking about here. Um, Those things are a certain type of suffering. But in particular, this is suffering as a Christian or suffering for the name of Jesus. So it's the kind of suffering where you will find some opposition or some brokenness in your relationships simply because you are loyal to the way of Jesus. Um, So we're talking about, you know, friends kind of rejecting you uh, because you are a believing Christian. You don't necessarily talk the way they talk. You don't do the things they do. Uh, We're talking about family members and the tensions that can come from family members who don't believe and aren't loyal to Jesus, and you are. And there's just this natural uh, conflict of authority that will crop up in your life as a Christian. And I think I'm really intrigued by what St. Peter says here is that to this you have been called. So it's not like as an optional part of the Christian life, but you're called into suffering in the same way that Jesus, uh, the suffering servant of God, um, suffered for the sake of the world. And, you know, I think there's also a difference here too between with this whole COVID-19, a lot of our sufferings we are not in control of. We are not right. necessarily in control of, of, although, you know, wash your hands, don't touch your face. <laughs> We're not necessarily in control of our health. We're not control of, in control of uh, even loss of job or finances, isolation, things like that. But here it seems like Peter's saying that, that we could be in control of some aspects of our suffering, meaning that we could embrace the suffering 
in our relationships or we could sidestep them. Exactly. Right. Yep. Yeah. So when we talk about um, suffering in society, you know, in, in the context of First Peter, the Christians are uh, beginning to be rejected for their faith. And they're being rejected both by the popular Greek culture that had multiple gods, many gods, and also the Roman culture that really said Caesar was Lord. And they were in opposition to both of those things. And we could probably add to that the, uh, the resistance from the Hebrew or the Jewish religion at the time that was saying that Jesus wasn't Lord. So all of those things, you could imagine, you know, if you are known as a Christian in the Jewish uh, segment and your family would reject you because of that. And if you're known as a Christian in the pagan segment, right, and you're being pressured by the government to hail Caesar as Lord, and you refuse to do that, how that could bring persecution. Or just simply, you're not accepted by the Greeks, who would say, and maybe a lot of these Christians were coming out of that culture, who used to worship at the different temples, suddenly they're not doing it. So they're, they're odd, they're, they're claiming Jesus as Lord. And that could really sever a lot of relationships. Uh, there wasn't like protection for your job for these kinds of things. So you could get fired, you know, you could get uh, kicked out of, of certain social settings and, and that kind of thing. So that would be kind of a hard persecution. Um, we don't really experience hard persecution in the U.S., you know, I, I think some oh, people mm-hmm. would say, yes, we're beginning to, but I, I really don't see it that Not much. Not when you compare it to the New Testament. That's right. what people were going through. I mean, some yeah. people are maybe dragged into court uh, lately for some of their stances. Yeah. But it's really not the same level, and we really right. don't have anything to col- complain about in that venue right now. But we do experience uh, this kind of soft persecution, and that would be this continual drumbeat of the internet culture, mm-hmm. of this postmodern culture that continually kind of gives us messages that says, no, you need to just drop that Jesus stuff. Yeah, or at least really qualify it that that's my opinion and, you know, not necessarily true. You know, and I, I think too about how, you know, our situation is different than when First Peter was written that the, the early church was saying Jesus is Lord, which was a complete affront to Caesar is Lord. And um, in our context, as in every age with the church, um, we come into some kind of tension or persecution whenever our lives confess something that is opposite of what the culture confesses. Right. And uh, right now, nobody's saying Caesar is Lord, but everybody is saying I am Lord. That's right. That's, uh, in fact, uh, philosopher Charles Taylor called this expressive individualism. Uh, Tim Keller has called this uh, the sovereign self. What it means is that nobody's in charge of what's right or wrong except me. I am the highest moral authority when it comes to beliefs or what's right or wrong. And we as Christians are confessing the exact opposite of that. We're saying Jesus is Lord of, of me and everything. And not that we're, we're imposing that on people, um, but, but it's our confession. And people in our relationships will often react with hostility or passive-aggressive kind of rejection. That's right. Uh, yeah, I think I've, I've heard this called, I don't know who said it, but uh, the tyranny of the individual. Mm, yeah. You know, that we're all kind of our own bosses. And if anyone questions that, like, it's cool. You can believe whatever you want, but if it ever affects anyone else, 
mm-hmm. or if you ever call into question anyone else's thoughts, uh, then yeah, you're kind of public enemy number one. Yeah. So the great sin of our culture, the first commandment of our culture is thou shall not say that my belief or action is wrong. Right. <laughs> and if you transgress that, you're in trouble. Um, That's right. Yeah. So, so I think that kind of helps us think about, okay, on a societal level, yeah, we can kind of get that um, general broad stroke idea. But then what does it really look like, Pastor John, when it, it's in our daily relationships? And I think this is more, most important. This is where people live. You know, do you, do you know of some situations where you feel that um, opposition mm-hmm. to the Lordship of Christ in your personal relationships? Yeah, let's talk about that. Maybe got a couple of quick stories here. And then after that, I want to talk a little bit about how we do this a little bit differently in the way we respond. But uh, yeah, so, you know, even back in, gosh, 1998, uh, what would have been the soundtrack about then? Ska. Maybe some, uh, <laughs> yeah, Mighty Mighty Boss of Tones. Yeah, yeah, Maybe yeah. some uh, Lance Morissette. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I, I was listening to Super Tones then because yeah, I had too. a, I really came to know the Lord Jesus in freshman year of high school. And, you know, my life changed. And uh, the f- I, I would say I lost friends over being a Christian because I wouldn't do the same things. And also, I remember in high school, and this is, gosh, you know, like, 20 years ago that I experienced sort of a soft persecution in, in friendships. I remember this kid in my high school would always call me Father John. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> and it was in a mocking kind of uh, tone. And, uh, or I even remember, remember when I worked construction in college, yep. uh, one of my foremen would call me Bible boy. <laughs> and I'd be like digging, uh, uh, you know, with a shovel and he'd be like, go get it. Pretend it's Satan. Go get it. Dig that <laughs> yeah, hole. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, it, they thought it was funny, but, you know, it kind of hurts a little bit. You know, deep yeah, down, you're like, I'm the awkward sore thumb sticking out yeah. in my relationships. Well, and I think then with even those little like joking things, it's like you're put in a situation where you have to choose to be passive mm-hmm. and submissive to their yeah. jokes. Or you have to try to figure out a way to defend Jesus. Yeah. And sometimes your silence feels like a betrayal of Jesus. Right. You know, so you, you're put in this kind of, and that's a great example of kind of a passive persecution where you're just forced to just settle down, just quiet down. Yeah. And, you know, it. we take a nuanced approach to this where, like, you know, the, the culture at large has plenty of clear examples of avoiding or confronting in unhealthy ways. So you look out in the wider culture and the interactions we have, if somebody disagrees with your belief or you disagree with their belief or action, we have on the one hand the response of, it's all good. Yeah. You know, you do you, right? But on the other hand, we have this other reaction, this extremely intolerant reaction on social media where people are like, you know, makes me think of this old book called, um, what was the book called? Oh, so you've been publicly shamed. <laughs> and it was, uh, it was basically cataloging on Facebook and Twitter about how people would say the wrong thing and society would tear them down. And so I think of the ways that on social media or other venues where if somebody disagrees with you, they will basically paint you as this moral monster. And yeah. we don't really have a good in-between, but I think that Christians 
And here in First Peter, we're called to embody that in between where we stand our ground and we confess Christ. We don't let go of our ideals, but we don't respond with hostility. We, and I think the language is right here in First Peter, always be prepared to give an answer mm-hmm. for why you have hope, but do it with gentleness and respect. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and two, you know, we just read, you know, look at Jesus, you know, when he was reviled, he didn't revile back, Mm -hmm. right? He endured hostility from sinners, the book of Hebrews says, right? So we have this example of Jesus. He doesn't back down. He doesn't say, oh, you know what? You're right. I was just making all that stuff up about being from God. Right. But rather he says, he, he sticks to his guns, but he, he does not condemn. You know, right. he says there's a judge who will be there at the end. And, you're, you know, you need to think about that. So, yeah, as Christians, I think we need to really learn how to live as gracious people and not even demanding our rights. And, you know, as much as religious freedom is a good thing and I, we value that, I sometimes think that Christians can make an idol out of that. And mm. that, like, they almost think that, like, the church will rise or fall on how much religious freedom we have. And we need to remember that the church actually took roots <laughs> in an empire where there was basically no religious freedom. And yeah. so we give God thanks for that gift, but if it ever disappears the church will continue, right? Yeah. Um, and we can't, we don't want to just be angry people. <laughs> right, right. So, yeah, uh, so like, it, well, for example, like when you're talking about that, um, you know, that coworker, and I've had almost the exact same yeah. situation. Actually, it, when I was working at in Seward, um, I was doing landscaping, and my foreman was just exactly like that. He just would tease you all day long about whatever he could. Mm-hmm. And he was really obnoxious, you know. Yeah. But it was just always, yeah, he called me out. He knew I was studying to be a, a pastor, so he would just call me out all the time. And yep. it was fun for him. But, there, you know, how do we, do we respond saying, you know, oh, you're a jerk? <laughs> you know, or like, Don't talk about my Jesus that that's way. That's right. That's <laughs> yeah. right. You know, or, or do you find ways to subtly witness to the right. truth? Graciously. Yeah, graciously. You know, and maybe with a little bit of an edge, like, look, hey, that Jesus is real, you know, like, and he's the judge of the heavens and the earth. You know, that'll probably get you more ridicule. (laughs) And there is a little bit of, I think, self-effacing that has to go on here where we say, you know what, I really don't care that you make fun of me. Um, Right. And I'm just going to see how I can love you because underneath all this, I know that you need Jesus just as much as I do. Absolutely. So let's maybe transition a little bit now to talk about, like, you know, when we talk about being teased in the workplace, I mean, while that is painful, I don't think it's as painful as our closer relationships, like right. family, saying marriage, or children, or parents, or in-laws who might, you know, look down on us because mm-hmm. of our faith, or maybe distance themselves from us. Yeah, I think, and that's really where I think most people have had this kind of ongoing heartache because I can think of a dozen families where they grew up in the church and their kids have just been won over by this cultural liturgy of, you know, no one actually knows the truth. And if it's working for you, go for it and don't tell me how to live. Mm -hmm. And, and that's really painful because you love, you love these people so much. Um, and, and yet uh, they're rejecting what is core to you, which is your love for Jesus. And I mean, I know in my own life, um, and I've preached on or mentioned this in sermons before, but I have, 
a number of uh, fa- close family members I grew up with that just, they either say they don't know or they're atheists or they're just out and out rejecting mm-hmm. the gospel of Jesus, some very much on purpose. And that kind of strain, like we just can't hang out in the same way. Right, yeah, right. it's hard. Yeah, I thought you gave some really good examples in your sermon. Um, because as a pastor, I've seen and I've, I've experienced these things where, you know, you've got folks in your church uh, who are really going through the pain of, of wanting to be committed to Christ, but then a spouse is not, right. and, and trying to lead the kids in the faith, but the spouse isn't on board. And, you know, sometimes even that, that spouse is a member of the church, but mm-hmm. they just, they may not even have a true saving faith in Jesus, but they just kind of, yeah, I'll show up on Christmas and Easter. Or I'll come to the kids thing, you know, and, and that can just be really, really painful. Or you talked about the, the, the parents with the, the child making some less than Christ- Christian decisions in regard to sexual ethics and, mm-hmm. And, you know, I've seen that play out too where, where, you know, kids will come home for Easter and it's just, or for Christmas, and it's just awkward and painful. Sometimes that child might be outright in their unbelief or sometimes that child might be in like the middle yeah. where, you know, secretly they're maybe secular, but outwardly they'll say, I'll put up with mom and dad's faith. Yeah, yeah. And as sometimes we can get ourselves into a, to a, sort of a, a pinch where we have to choose, are we going to embrace our faith and, and, and confess Christ when it comes to beliefs or morals, or are we going to sidestep it? And yeah. uh, I think we can do that in a few ways. We can make excuses for maybe our kids or our spouse and say, this person, I'm sure that they're saved. They, they believe in Christ when really they don't, and we should be honest about that. Or we might, um, we might say, well, you know, who am I to judge with the decisions my kids make? I'm going to support them even though I don't agree with it scripturally. Mm-hmm. So those are, those are tricky, painful points. Yeah, and I think the same, the same theme is there where you're, you're forced to either kind of stuff your beliefs, your convictions about what Jesus is calling mm-hmm. you and your family to, um, or you, you can maybe make a stink about it you know, and you don't want to do that. So, you know, it's, it's a very tight road where you're trying to communicate love without agreeing with every single thing and, and trying to be clear about that. Yeah. So I I did mention, you know, there's one, you know, just blessed family that I know that struggled with this with their kids, but they just kept the course. They kept the course. Yeah. And they made their, they made their beliefs known. They made their disapproval known. Mm-hmm. Uh, for their son's behavior, and eventually, um, he came around. Right? He he changed his mind. And I, I think, unless they were willing to suffer through his ire, yeah, and through the awkwardness, I don't think that he would have had a chance. So sometimes we are called to suffer in that we we disapprove, or we don't give our blessing, even though we love somebody, and that's yeah. a witness. And, and the main point I took from those stories is that, so, so the culture would say, if you ever say that, that something is wrong or not acceptable or you don't agree with it, that is seen as the, the most unloving thing. Because in our culture, to love somebody is to say simply, you do you. 
If mm-hmm. it feels good, do it. Mm-hmm. I won't judge you, etc. And uh, but from a scriptural Jesus perspective, to tell somebody that kindly, lovingly, that they're doing something wrong or their belief is is off, is the most loving thing you can do because it's almost like if somebody's in error <laughs> and you just let them keep, if somebody's driving on the wrong side of the road, what do people do? Do right. they wave or do they honk? <laughs> yeah, right, <laughs> they right, honk. Right. And, and so if any of those people in those stories you shared in the sermon would have sidestepped the call to suffer with Jesus, perhaps those people in relationship to them w- may not have been faithful to Christ in the long run. They exactly. may have even been lost eternally. And exactly. So, so I, I think yeah. this is one of the key points as Christians, we are called to suffer mm-hmm. and it's not an option. Like we said earlier, it's like right. there's something at stake if you're passive here. Yeah. There's something at stake if you just roll over. You are called to be a witness, especially in those relationships where you have a rightful place to speak. Right, and, and really, those families, those spouses, those parents, those pastors that are, are willing to suffer for God's truth, they really need the support of their church. They do. Because sometimes in a, in a church, even members of the church will want to kind of support and, um, and sidestep, right? That's right. And, and it's important that we as a church are united in what scripture teaches as we navigate these things. Um, We are going to go ahead and and wrap up here and uh, we're going to wrap up with a challenge. We want to have both a challenge here to us as listeners, but also uh, a comfort because uh, Jesus is always going to challenge us in ways that we uh, might make us feel uncomfortable, but he's also going to deeply comfort us as well. So, Pastor Tim, why don't you talk about the the challenge for us? Yeah, so the challenge really is understanding that we've been called to suffering in certain circumstances. Not to look for it, but to know that sometimes we will be called to witness to Mm -hmm. Jesus even when it's uncomfortable or it costs us something. And so the challenge would be, in your life, listener, uh, is there a place where you are avoiding Mm -hmm. suffering Mm -hmm. or avoiding witness to Jesus? And maybe it's a relationship uh, issue maybe it's us uh, you know with your spouse with your kids mm-hmm. with your friends or your brother your sister and you just refuse to voice your conviction yeah um, and uh, maybe it's time to begin to voice that even though it might cost you some comfort in that relationship mm-hmm. and the goal would be that in the big picture you would win their hearts over um, to Christ yeah, and you know, your pastors are, are taking this challenge ourselves too. And, and sometimes, like let me say this, I've got mad respect for a- any of you who are in one of these situations, mm-hmm. especially those of you working in the secular world. Um, because as pastors, sometimes we can be sheltered, I think, from, from some of the suffering. And, and I think our call is to embrace it in the pulpit in that... Um, the theologian John Stott once said, uh, always preach the sermons they don't pay you to preach. Yeah. And sometimes as a pastor, just like Jesus and the prophets and the apostles, we're, we're called to maybe preach on a topic that might make us uncomfortable, but that is scriptural truth. We can't sidestep that, and that's, that's the challenge. Right. We're, we're in this with you together. Um, so let's talk about the comfort. And, you know, 
the comfort we receive from the gospel gives us leverage to do the uncomfortable thing. And so hear this, you know, even if society rejects you, you have a city and a kingdom that can't be shaken that Jesus has bought for you. And even if your family or your friends reject you, God is your father and Jesus is not ashamed to call you uh, his brother or his sister. And, and even if we uh, experience, you know, persecution within the church, you know, with, with other Christians who, who maybe um, are frustrated because we stick to scriptural truth, uh, Jesus will vindicate us. Um, Jesus said this, the one who does the will of God is my mother and my brother. Um, so as we bear rejection with Jesus, we bear witness to the world and we share in both the pain and the joy of seeking and saving the lost. So Awesome. All right, so that has been, uh, wow, podcast number one, and we're looking forward to, to number two next week. Just so you can be aware of what's going to go down this coming Sunday, we're going to be taking a look at John chapter 14. Jesus says, do not let your hearts be troubled. And when you say, Pastor Tim, that this is kind of a season of troubled hearts, right? Absolutely. And, and collective troubled hearts. Yeah, you know? we're all living this troubled hearts thing. But Jesus has so much to say to that. So uh, be sure to join us uh, this coming Sunday as we look at John chapter 14. Cool. Are we going to have another dad joke next week too? Uh, <laughs> maybe we should ask our kids <laughs> if, they, if they have a favorite. Yeah, good call. Uh, yeah. <laughs>